Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Yeah, you know Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Are you ready to get down some D&D? I know I am, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by the Misty. A little bit exhausted, but still mirthful, Mad Wizard Merwin. What is up, Sean? I am here, Christopher. I am here, and I am ready to talk about D&D in its various flavors and shapes and tones. Does it have flavors and shapes and tones? If you uh, lick it or listen to it. Uh, if you are licking your D&D, please let us know. We'd like to, we'd like to hear from you uh, on Twitter, at the light 101 or at Sean Merwin. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I really yes. want. I really want to have that discussion now. Like, are people like tasting their D and D, and how are they tasting their D and D? And and if so, uh, I also have a medicine that you can take. <laughs> now, with that uh, bit of ridiculousness out of the way, like we like to do every week, uh, let's go do some announcements. We'll run through these five things fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there's a new Dark Alliance game coming. Yeah, I was super stoked about that. Uh, if you go to darkalliance.com, you can see the trailer. Uh, join up to four friends online or on the couch and battle iconic monsters from Dungeons & Dragons in a new co-op action RPG. Uh, the trailer looks pretty intense. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, do so. You'll know what I mean as soon as you watch it. Uh, it looks like you get to play Drist, Wolfgar, Brunar, uh, or Caddy Bree slaying a million orcs, zombies, orc zombies. I'm not sure quite what they are. It looks like they're fighting uh, Obold. Or is that a giant? It, it's also, uh, I think it might be a, a, a uh, ice giant, what do you call it? A uh, cold giant, uh, not fire. A frost giant? Thank you, frost giant. It's okay, That's you're tired, I understand. Today. Uh, yeah, it looks like there's a frost giant involved. And I just, I loved, loved, loved those old Dark Alliance and Dark Alliance 2 games for the PlayStation 2. Uh, my daughter and I sat and played them together for hours when she was younger. And so every, even now, like, she'll come home for Christmas break or something, and she'll be like, can we get out to PlayStation 2 and play Dark Alliance? And I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, uh, for, the, like, the fifth time. And so I'm, you know, seeing this new game, I hope it scratches that same itch that, you know, you can sit down, and it's not overly intense, but it's something that, you know, you can just do with some friends. Mm-hmm. I was also a big fan of the game because once mm-hmm. you beat it, you could play as Drist and Artemis and Terry. And I love mm-hmm. being Artemis. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, maybe, Sean, when it comes out, we could uh, maybe play some and stream it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, like and talk about talk about the, the stuff and maybe get some other D&D luminaries to come play with us. Yay, I'd love that. All right, uh, next thing. Mordenkind's Phoenix Folio Volume 1, Monsters Malevolent and Benign. What the heck is this, Sean? So this is a Wizards of the Coast charity product that's up on the DMs Guild. Uh, All proceeds go to Extra Life. And it's taking monsters that were in the original Fiend Folio from 1st Edition AD&D and updating them for 5th Edition. Well, that's neat. And yeah, I mean it's cool if you want some new monsters, they're there. Um, you know, it's not overly there's art, but it's not overly done. It's just kind of a pretty simple product. But if you need some new monsters, um, they're there. And what I thought was interesting more than anything was volume one, which tends to imply that there are going to be more volumes. Yeah, I hope so. I love stuff like that. It's so mm-hmm. so much fun, so good. Yep, so there's a link in the show notes. Uh, you can grab it on the DMs Guild, Warden Kanan's Fiendish Folio, Volume 1. 
All right, next thing, uh, teach your kids holiday sales. So this is a bunch of products that are great for playing D&D with children. Yep. Again, this is a DM's Guild sale, um, probably for the rest of the month. And they're, from what I, it looked like there were about 25 products uh, that are there. I've reviewed some of these in previous editions of Dragon Plus, but there's great little ones like Animal Sidekicks, Into the Bleak Mis- Midwinter, Clonker's Guide to Being a Hero, uh, Little Heroes, A Guide to Children at the Table, Grammy's Country Apple Pie, Goblin Problem, uh, a lot of great little adventures or supplements that will help you if you're running a game for kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like some of the some of the art and some of the stuff, too, like an ogre and his cake. Because it's yes. got the drawing of the ogre with a birthday cake. It's like a crayon oh, yeah. drawing. It's so good. Yep. That's one I reviewed on uh, Dragon Plus recently. So, Speaking of Dragon Plus, issue 29 of Dragon Plus is now out there in the world. Uh, it is the holiday issue. Some highlights are a side quest for the adventure that we are reviewing right now, uh, Descent and Davernus. It takes place during the Candlekeep section of the adventure while the characters are making their preparations to go into Avernus. So uh, if you want, it's like a five-page little side quest. If you are interested in that, uh, Dragon Plus is obviously free, so you can just go grab it. And there is just more, you know, reviews of stuff, highlights of stuff that has either recently come out or will be coming out, um, fiction, streaming news, Adventures League news, all of that stuff is in the latest issue of Dragon Plus. Also, if you remember our review from back then, that was like four or five parts ago, uh, there, there was a bit of a, a gap there in Candlekeep, right? Like, we're like, we, we, we both wish there was kind of more stuff to do at Candlekeep. Yep, and this, this gives you the something to do. I wonder if it was something that got cut out of the adventure because of book size. It, it did say that this was cut. I'm not sure if it was cut from the book itself or if it is cut from something else that these authors did, but mm. it's, it's there for you to use. And our last thing before we get to our main topic is uh, the Nightland. It's selling yeah. really well. It's an Electrum seller already. Yeah, so you know, Nightland is the first adventure in the new Oracle of War campaign under the Adventures League umbrella, and I was a little worried. I didn't know how well it would sell uh, because this campaign, even though it's an Adventures League campaign, uh, the Oracle of War is something very different than the Forgotten Realms flavor of the Adventures League. Uh, you know, this is going to be a discreet, um, separate. Short-term, two-year, two 20-adventure uh, campaign. And, you know, sometimes the Adventures League players get into a, a groove and they only want what they already have. They don't want a separate campaign. They just want more stuff for theirs. So I didn't know how well it would do. And I've been surprised. Um, it's only been a, out a couple of weeks. It's already an Electrum seller. Uh, it's getting good reviews. So I'm, you know, super happy. And I just wanted to thank everybody who is who is taking part in that campaign or waiting to take part, but, you know, but has bought the adventure to, so, you know, thanks. Thank you. So I ran the first adventure mm-hmm. and I'll tell you the thing that's most exciting to me about it. And the thing I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out is how the, um, little ad- story adventure reward things that you get during the adventure for completing things play mm-hmm. into further adventures. Mm-hmm. That'll be fascinating to me because there's three of them that you can get in the first adventure, and I'm curious as to how they all affect later adventures. Yep, that's something that we're going to be keeping a very close eye on and trying to highlight is, you know, you are in this campaign and what you do matters uh, as opposed to, you know, being in this campaign where you could play 
from a billion different adventures and hardcovers and go here, go there. Uh, you know, so that's going to be something that's super important if this campaign's going to work mm-hmm. is we creators keep an eye on that. Yeah, and I really like the the, the um, adventure log sheets are very good. There, there's an adventure log sheet that you hand out to every player at the end. It's pretty simple. It's like a pick list. It reminds me of a like a dungeon world uh, playbook in a lot of ways. For like, well, mm-hmm. did you do this? Did you do that? Do you want this? Do you want that? Right. Yep. It's we call it an adventure record. It's something that past campaigns from like third and fourth edition have have tried, and generally you can do it well um, if it's a limited sort of campaign. Um, if you have a character and you're playing a thousand different adventures having a thousand different sheets of paper can be cumbersome um with a limited run campaign uh it's much easier to do that and generally players appreciate it so Mm -hmm. all right well that is our our announcement section and now let's delve into avernus let's go to hell sean do you want to go to hell i feel like i'm already there chris there's there's no one i'd rather rather walk through the gates of hell with than you Thank you. I, I think I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, you'd have a lot of friends there, so I'd be okay, right? This is true. There, there will not be a lack of my friends there. <laughs> that, that's for sure. Um, so let's do a recap real quick. So uh, to, to catch us back up, if you, this is the first time you're listening, this is spoilerific on uh, Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus. So they start in Baldur's Gate. They learn that Eltrail was sent to Avernus due to some terrible deals. You can get the details on that in any of the previous eight uh sections of this series that we're doing. They meet Lulu, a Hollyfont, who travels to Avernus with them. Then they get to Eltrell, which is uh, in a pro- has a problem. The city is being mm-hmm. very slowly dragged down towards the River Styx by chains. And the companion, which used to be this ball of light that uh, kept everything nice and safe for them, has turned into a horrible dark void. The city has a bunch of survivors, and it's not, but it's not completely overrun by demons or devils yet, because demons are attacking from below and devils are fighting them. Uh, they rescue Grand Duke Ravenguard and learn that the key to saving Eltrail might be in finding Zeriel's sword. Lulu thinks that two Kenku named Chukka and Klonk from Fort Knucklebone might be the place to start looking. So they go to Fort Knucklebone, meet Mad Maggie, who helps them unlock more of Lulu's memories, probably. Uh, mm-hmm. And now it's time to track down Zeriel's sword in Avernus proper. So we are finally, like, we've we've gone through a little bit of hell and now we're really into hell. Yep. Yep. This is almost... I, I want to say almost to the point where we get to hell proper. I, I'm going to save that for, for in just a few minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, Fort Knuckle Bones is kind of like hell proper, right? It's just not it, it, It's not the hell hell that we're accustomed right. to. Right. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, it is Avernus, and, and it is. But it, it's also, yeah, the Fort Knuckle Bone thing is kind of, it. It. it it's sort of a safe space for the, the characters, um, Let's call a spade a spade too. It's it's a comedy beat, right? It it it, it has the potential to be a comedy beat, yes. And it uh, and it is the character situation allows them to use it as a ref, as a refuge, um, assuming they don't screw things up too badly, right? All right, so we've got possibly some infernal war machines. We're going off into Avernus proper to find this sword, and Lulu is pointing them towards a place called Haraman's Hill. But mm-hmm. before we get there, as you leave, a infernal war machine and its warlord attacks them, Raga Draga. Yep. Which, it feels like that's a car war reference or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it it does. But, hey, uh, here you are now seeing what Avernus has become. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the battleground of the Blood War, right? The yep. 
demons are coming out of the river sticks. The devils are there to fight them. And away from the river sticks, since there is no one around to police it, um, it's just overrun by whoever has enough power to control an area. Mm-hmm. And that, that is the, that's these warlords. And the first warlord we meet is Ragadraga. Mm-hmm. And I like this a lot because it's a very simple fight against an Infernal War Machine because then it'll allow you to uh, add these Infernal War Machine mechanics. Um, if you didn't get an Infernal War Machine from Mad Maggie, it allows the, pl- the characters to get one. So mm-hmm. that's good. And that simplicity like lets you just kind of focus on the new rules that are throwing that are being thrown around. That's perfectly well said, Chris. Um, you know, this is where you test out to see if you want to use these rules, how much you want to use these rules, how much fun the players have with it. If they have a great time and they want to keep doing it, you get your clue right here. Mm-hmm. Um, if it doesn't go well, if there's if it's clunky then you know that it's probably not something that you want to continue to highlight in your campaign. Yep. Uh, there was one more thing I think you wanted to mention about um, Fort Knucklebone and something you could have gotten that will help. Oh, yes. So if if you succeed greatly uh, at Fort Knucklebone, one of the things that you can get are silver weapons. And one of the reasons that you need those silver weapons is because of this encounter right here, because you're fighting uh, lycanthropes. Yes. Dragadraga is a werebore. And so he uh, he and his werebore and were-rat companions can be fought more easily if you have those silver weapons. So as the DM, don't forget to uh, give those if the characters earn it. Now, let's, uh, let me throw this at you real quick, everybody out there in, in listener land. Um, this fight is against a demon grinder, and it's got a chomper and a wrecking ball. So it might be worthwhile to take a look at the the chomper and the wrecking ball rules, familiarize yourself with them, and of course the rules that we talked about last week. Right. Um, because the wrecking ball is brutal, man. Like, because if it hits a, a structure, like if the characters have a war machine, it'll do double the damage. Right. Things to things to remember and think about. Yep, and it is good though because you know if the even if the characters don't have a war machine, as Chris said, this is. A time when they can get one, um, and they'll. Now it's going. It's tough to fight a war machine if you don't have a war machine. Um, not impossible to, though, right? Not impossible. You have to get into it and and fight, get the creatures out of it, basically. Well, you can uh, also damage it. Like you just have to beat their damage threshold. Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, you can you can beat down the war machine hey, for sure. I'm pretty sure these characters are level seven at this point, so they have some power to them. Right. I mean, you you have fireballs and you have shatter and you have you know spells that can really do some damage so mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely not impossible but it's a fight like that's a it's not an easy fight then no definitely not um all right cool so now that we've stated that let's move on to the next thing which is a section about the warlords of avernus so this section has a purpose and that's uh to provide options to build some random encounters with these warlords that are out there with these infernal war machines um mm-hmm. they give you three warlords but they say that you can make up other ones and these three warlords are really good examples of the the variety that you can have uh, in Avernus as far as the, these these uh, bands of uh, Infernal War Machine riding Mad Maxian Beyond Thunderdome-ish uh, characters. Mm-hmm. So it tells you right in the book that you can create these things as combat encounters or as interactions. And some of these warlords might want to make an alliance to help wipe out other warlords. So that's a thing. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And uh, there's a quote from the book that I want to throw out there because I think it's important. It says to keep it fun and fast paced. And if you need to push the rules aside when they get in the way. Now, I don't, talking about Infernal War Machine Combat. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you necessarily need to push the rules aside because the rules are pretty, pretty fluid, if you ask me. Like, I think they work mm-hmm. pretty well because the idea is to keep it um, theater of the mind. Yes. I, dude, I, I would never put an Infernal War Machine on the table unless it's just for a reference point. Like, here is us. Uh, mm-hmm. And in relation to here are these things, and we're all moving really fast. Yes, that's how I would. Uh, that's how I would deal with it. Yeah, I, I think we talked about that last time, and I think I agree a hundred percent. If you're going to get a grid out and you're going to try to count every square during these infernal war machine combats, it's likely going to grind to a pretty slow halt pretty quickly. Also, the rules won't work because right. when one person goes, they can move a hundred feet. And right. that'll leave the other machine far farther away. And it doesn't right. make any sense because these machines are in perpetual motion for the most part. Exactly. So theater of the mind and and just, you know, keeping it, uh, keeping a narrative combat rather than a mechanical combat uh, in mind, I think, is very important uh, during this time. Yeah. I mean, if you if you want to have the stuff on there for that relative positioning, because it helps you, that's that's a great. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with mm-hmm. that. But uh, and yeah. also, if you have like cool infernal war machine minis that you want to put on the table, that's also cool, right? Like, sure. why wouldn't I want to have my stuff on there? But don't don't try to grit it out. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's talk yeah. about. You want to talk about more? I just want to to mention this, kind of like with the combat with Raga Draga, in terms of figuring out, you know, if you want to highlight or downplay this war machine combat. Here you you also want to ask yourself after you meet a warlord or two, you know what do my players and I want this campaign to be? Uh, because at this point you are open opening up options for a completely different style of campaign if you so choose. Right, you can have the players get right down and dirty in this whole warlord um, controlling territory, controlling war machines. Um, style of play and it's a totally fine style of play mm-hmm. um, or you can decide no we're going to focus mainly on moving forward with this particular story of finding the sword and we're going to downplay the this warlord aspect maybe throw it in every once in a while but for the most part we're going to ignore it and you know take the cues from your players on if they're super invested in it or not. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because if they if they don't care, then then don't do it, right? <laughs> right, right. Now and okay, yeah. go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and you know, these these warlords that are here are are sort of they're they're given they're given personalities, they're given goals, and it's really cool. But it's not a deep story related goal. It's more just this is what they like, and it doesn't tie in directly to the larger story. So if you're going to try to tie them in, you're going to need to give them give them information or give them something that the characters need to to continue the story that they want to tell as you know as characters. Um, because otherwise, it's just kind of an obligatory thug encounter. Um, that can add some flavor, add some diversity, but it really doesn't deepen the story. 
Mm-hmm. Which is funny, Sean, because that's where I was going. I was like, well, you have these three uh, warlords, and they don't tie in, so you have to do it yourself. So let's give them some ideas for how to do that. All right, Christopher, you go. All right, so the first one is a winged, uh, a wingless horned devil named Bitterbreath. Now, I really enjoy Bitterbreath's story because this was once mm-hmm. a pit fiend that tried to betray Zariel twice uh, by working with Bell. Uh, so this pit fiend, this former pit fiend, can't enter deals, like can't make demonic or er, uh, devilish deals. Has mm-hmm. no wings and uh, has some magic placed upon them that no devils can associate with them. So they have a crew of hobgoblins. Right. So, uh, one, if you run into this thing fighting, it's got an infernal screamer on its main uh, war machine. So you should check that out. It's cool. It also can show off how attachments can be put onto the to these war machines, which is neat, mm-hmm. and how they're modified, modifiable. But as far as, like, story goes, um, this bitter breath, since they can't enter deals, they're evil, but they could be an ally. Like, if they find out that these player characters are working to get get rid of Zeriel, that would be a very that would be very interesting to Bitterbreath, because Bitterbreath doesn't like Zeriel at all. Yes. In fact, probably hates Zeriel. So this can be a whole enemy of my enemy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so once that fight goes down, like, these can be uh, sort of allies that maybe might betray you at some point. Right. But there are many times when the characters might need to be rescued. And also might need a little bit more uh, of a force to do something. Yes. So, the, you know, that is a great point, and that is a great um, way to use Bitter Breath in a longer-term narrative uh, capacity rather than just this kind of random encounter. Yeah, because, like, if you were going to go out there and do this thing, and in the meantime, while you're looking for the sword, are trying to build up a crew of your own, like, these people can be part of your uh, warlord... Infernal War Machine crew. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is a little bit different. Uh, Fionor. This is a human necromancer. I like her because she doesn't talk a lot. She speaks in whispers, and she carries a bone uh, parasol, which is great, right? I like. I love the art. I I, yeah. I love who she is, and she's just kind of here. Um, the only thing that she's really connected to is Mahadi, because Mahadi is in love with her, and this is the Rakshasa from the Wandering Emporium. Mm-hmm. And she stole one of his infernal war machines called, that she calls the Golden Doom, which, by the way, it's a really cool war machine. It's crewed <laughs> by some undead, including ten crawling hands. So mm-hmm. if you could imagine a thing from the Adams family basically shooting right. harpoons at you from, from right. this war machine, that'd be great. Or driving it. Or driving or just, it. Just a pair of them on the wheel, just going back and forth. Uh-huh. It's so good. But yeah. the um, the way that I would connect her to the story more is if, if the Wandering Emporium, which we haven't – we've only talked about a little bit on this uh, review mm-hmm. – is if that's a cool place for your, your players and tied to it, uh, maybe Mahadi has something inside of the Golden Doom that he wants back. Mm-hmm. So you can figure that out, and that's a good way to connect uh, Fionor into the story a little bit more. But I, there, I can't think of a way to connect her into the into the main narrative other than that. No, I think, but even that, you know, that's a great use of her backstory um, to to give the character some sort of goal or reason to interact with her. Because mm, like, if Mahadi has something important that's on the Golden Doom, but he doesn't want her killed because, you know, he's in love with her, mm-hmm. like, there's that's, that's like, uh, dual motivations for that character. So it can be the whole, like, I need this thing, but you can't kill her. Mm-hmm. And I'll do you a favor, because the Wandering Emporium is important. Yep. And, and you know, one goal that she might have is just to leave because um, she kind of came here because of Mahadi, and now she's 
so over it, I mm-hmm. guess. Yes, so it. over it's good. That's fine. Yeah. And so, you know, if the characters can promise her a way back, she they may be able to get some use out of her as well. Yeah, why is she still here? Uh, that's, that's the question that's what, to answer, right? Right. She grew bored of Mahadi's attempts to impress her, so she just took uh, war machines and never looked back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's just, she's just hanging out, like... Yeah. We don't actually have an answer for that question. And that's why I threw it out there. Like, you should probably find out out there listener in listener land. Why is she here? Like, is she stuck here from some sort of magic? Is she looking for something? Um, is she actually in love with Mahadi and just is waiting for Mahadi to set, to come for her? You know, like, just because that's what she wants, like someone to actually give a damn. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, any any whatever story that you want to come up with. it's a bit of a love story so you can a love story in hell is always fun to me so that's yep. that's that's my prefer it's one of my preferences for play but that could be not yours so then then we have if if that's not your preference a chain devil named princeps kovic so mm-hmm. princeps kovic was part of uh, an infernal legion and by the way i love the art cuz this mm-hmm. the art of this chain devil looks like a roman legionnaire uh, dressed in chains mm-hmm. or or even a spartan like it could be yeah. a spartan too Yep. So with a with a defeat, a terrible defeat, uh this uh, Princeps Kovic took the remaining uh devils from that legion and formed up his own group. And they run around outside of the infernal hierarchy being mad about what happened and mm-hmm. doing what they think is right. So they're, they scavenge for soul coins. They go and kill demons. That's their point. So if you ever run into a problem, especially if you're running, which we'll talk about later, the, the path of demons, which I think there's a lot of demons on, mm-hmm. like these people could be very useful to you. Because if you point mm-hmm. them at demons, they will go kill them. It's true. So they can be a weapon for you. Uh, that, that is probably the best way that I can think to utilize them in this story. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that... You know, these devils serve Princeps Kovic um, not because of any hierarchy, but just because they trust him. Yeah, they're they're loyal, which is a you know, which is a strange sort of thing for for devils. Mm-hmm. Right. Usually they're trying to figure a way to get ahead and you only serve someone if it's going to get you to the next step in your plan. And this is just it's kind of you know a military sort of he's my leader. Uh, I'm going to do what he says because I trust him to do the right thing. Yeah, there's some, there's some. That's exactly what's going on here, right? Yeah. So, uh, the, if you want to tell a deeper story with Kovic, you can ask why do these people all trust Kovic? Like, what is it about Kovic that makes him so trustworthy? Mm-hmm. Is it is it because he is like uh, a Spartan king? Like, does he inspire that much loyalty in his men? Or it's- uh, I would I would almost want to make him. Not necessarily good, but not evil. I think he would fit right in the lawful evil category. That, yeah, that is a version but, of lawful evil. Yeah, well, I, I completely understand that. Just to just to change the narrative a bit, you know, I would want to make him personally have has have had an epiphany. Um, oh, that's interesting. And and while still fighting demons. Um, 
be redeemable in some way. <laughs> what if he's not actually like? What if the, the 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 point is is like he wears that helmet right, and he has all those chains on him? What if the point is he's actually not a, de- a devil anymore? What if he's actually like been redeemed and been restored, but he's still down yeah. here doing what he does because he actually uh, cares about all the men under his under his command, or yeah, the, the that's devils what, under his command? Yeah, that's what I mean. It's 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 that's a cool twist that you could have some narrative fun with. Yeah, and yet he still just hates demons. Right. Right. Uh so yeah, that's those are the three that are are put together, but you can make your own. Like it says mm-hmm. it right in there. You can make your own, you can bring more to it. You can actually expand this a ton if you wanted to. It's a uh, really interesting stuff. All right. So those are the Warlords of Avernus. Is, is do you want to say anything else about that section or should we move on? Oh, I think we're safe to move on. All right. Let's talk about the quest for the sword. So this is where Lulu starts leading them around uh, to find the sword of Zeriel. Except, of course, Lulu's memories are still kind of skewed and it doesn't always work exactly the way it's supposed to work. Mm-hmm. So the first stop on this uh, search is Haruman's Hill. And, uh, Sean, this is hell proper, right? Now, now, I think we are finally at the point where, like, yeah, okay, when I, when I first heard Descent into Avernus, this is what I was thinking of. Um, you know, not not Baldur's Gate, not kind of Elturel floating above so you're still in the city, not Fort Knucklebone, which is cool, but it's not, you know, it's sort of com- comedic and it's sort of safe. Um, not this Mad Max sort of thing where you're going through, yeah, you know, you're, you're in hell, but you're still riding these machines. You know, this, the description, what's happening. Where are the tortured is, souls? Yeah, this is where I'm like, okay, yes, this is, this is Avernus. This is what I pictured when I first heard that this book was going to be made. And it, it ain't good, right? So yes. Harman's Hill, there is a bunch of people crucified to trees with metal barbs. Metal mm-hmm. barb trees. And uh, these souls have flocks of sturges flying around them. And I mean lots of sturges. Mm-hmm. We're talking hundreds. Mm-hmm. Uh, stinging them, sucking their blood out causing them new pain, so they're not just dealing with the pains from the barbs and the trees, but all these new uh, little inflictions. It's almost like the you know the crows poking the people on the trees. It's what's going on here. Yep. And as the sturges suck the blood out of these souls that are you know being tortured on these trees, they're doing so because one of the other um, beings that is being tortured is a vampire. So it, they are then taking the blood and inserting it into this vampire to keep it, the vampire alive. So, Sean, would you tell me about Jandar Sunstar? Yeah, Jandar Sunstar was a vampire who uh, decided to serve Elturel. He became a vampire who hunted other vampires. Blade? <laughs> Yeah, it's totally. Uh, there, we got we yeah. got the blade story going on here, right? We got the blade story going on. So yes, so he pledged himself to Elturel, and then um, when Zeriel banded together the Hell Riders to to go into Avernus, he joined them. Mm-hmm. And like the other Hell Riders, he had a moment of doubt and weakness and fled. So the Hell Riders all fled, it, leaving Zeriel there. And not only did he flee. But this was the person that closed the portal. True. True. So now they're back in the mortal world, these Hellriders and Jander, and they're not saying what happened. But as they die, their souls are being pulled down into El Torel. 
And this is where they end up, or I'm sorry, being dragged down into Avernus, and this is where they end up. It, it ain't good. Yeah. And Jander has an even more tragic story because, you know, he realizes his betrayal was bad. Mm-hmm. And so he decides to throw his life on the mercy of Lathander. He's a vampire, so he, and Lathander is the sun god, right? Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh, Lathander please take me and forgive me. And he steps out into the sunlight and gets turned to dust, hoping that Lathander will forgive him and take him to a just reward. And instead, Jander finds himself crucified uh, here on this spiked tree with Sturges inserting blood into him so he doesn't die. Lathander went a little Old Testament on poor Jander. Yeah, just a bit. So we get a pretty gruesome description of all of this going on, um, and also, it's pretty a great, horrible. There's a great piece of art in the book too that that shows Jander stabbed under this tree. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's not good. It's I mean, good. it's really good. It's just not very nice. Oh yes, yes, it's good. It is good in terms of if you like this horrific sort of flavored uh, fantasy, then it's good. Um, it's not good for them. No, no, not at all. At all. So Lulu's here, and after talking to Jander, gets some more of her memories back and realizes, like, this isn't the right place, and her memories are scrambled, and she needs a little bit more time. But Jander yep. is, like, begging the characters to let him off of this tree. Right. Um, as soon as they do that or help any of the other Hell Riders that are stuck to these trees, 20 mm-hmm. Sturges will attack them. Yes. And then after that, the more horrifying thing happens when a Narzagon attacks. Now, if you remember in Elturel, there was a Narzagon rolling around and it looked dangerous and deadly and you you didn't really want to fight it because when you were level five, I think, and uh, it would wipe the floor with you. Yeah. And well, now you're level seven or or so, and it could probably still wipe the floor with you. Uh, Except you've got to fight it now. Yep. And it's riding a nightmare steed. You've got 20 Sturges that are also attacking. And that is a pretty, pretty brutal combat. Not only that, while this is going on, a hell wasp from a nearby nest swoops down and tries to capture Lulu and fly away with her. Wow, that just seems inconvenient. Yes. Almost like the worst thing happening at the worst time. Yeah. Uh, And so the the combat with Harriman is actually quite cool. Um, if a character damages Harriman with an attack, a fresh tree, like the ones that were torturing the Hellriders, springs from the ground, and it lists the character's name, as well as the crime of assaulting an officer <laughs> etched onto the tree. Um, this can really mess up the minds of the characters. Really, you say? The, yes. The, the devil, you say? Oh, wait a minute, it actually is what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was bad. <laughs> And so, yeah, this is, it's not an impossible combat, but there are likely to be character deaths here. This is one of those places where maybe if they talked with a warlord, uh, having that warlord show up with its crew might save the characters. Uh Uh-huh. Although if the characters, I mean, have that internal war machine, they could also turn that against the Narzagun too. Very true. Uh, there, there's just a lot of options, right? Like, but but Narzaguns are are no joke. I mean, it's not a nightmare, so it's flying around. Mm-hmm. Um, it can 
it, well, I can't, I can't leave hell. So the, the ethereal stride probably doesn't work for the for the nightmare. Uh, I mean, we can, it's got fire resistance because the nightmare can grant fire resistance to and fire uh, to to anyone riding it. So like your your fiery spells aren't going to work as effectively, right? So um, it's got damage resistance to like everything. Mm-hmm. It's a tough fight, man. This is not yeah, ain't no joke. And and the worst part is um, if I I don't have the stat block in front of me, but I know that if a character dies to a uh, attack from a Narzagon, it doesn't take long for that character's soul to be reborn as a Lemure from the River Sticks. One d four hours. Yeah. So you can't dally if wait. you're dead. <laughs> right. You can't wait to do uh, like a raised dead or something uh, because if, if can you at seventh level? No. Uh, I don't think. I think Raised Dead's fifth, right? I might be wrong. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's tough. And you might need some contingencies as the DM if you want the characters to survive this combat. Probably, yes. Unless they're, at this point, a, a well-oiled fighting machine. Right. And and just so just think about it. Um, you know, maybe if, if they do ha- half its hit points... And it uses its healing, which heals 100 hit points. Uh, then it runs. And it will come back later. Or, you know, maybe the characters can do something to assuage it so it go- leaves them alone. You know, maybe if they give it a soul coin, maybe, you know, something. Um, maybe if uh, maybe if you re- remove some of the people off of the tree that this thing has been torturing for years and years and years, they will their souls, before they disintegrate and move on, will help you. Yeah, that's true, too. I mean, dropping a, a vampire fighter stat block in there isn't... I mean, if you want that complexity in your fight, it might, might be useful. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, it, you know, it's it's an interesting... It's just be aware of it uh, and have a plan going in. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, the, the way, you're right. The way the encounter is set up, like, it, it's probably going to kill some people. Mm-hmm. So, after that throwdown... Um, if Lulu's still around, then Lulu will be like, I can remember some stuff, and we'll point mm-hmm. you towards some places that you can go. A uh, The spawning trees with the demon zapper, which we'll talk about next time. But if Lulu gets grabbed by the hell wasp, it takes it back to a hell wasp nest. And Sean, you want to talk about this hell wasp nest? It's pretty pretty good. Yeah, so, well, first I want to start with, I think as the DM, make, make the decision. Are you going to ha- have Lulu captured or not? Um Characters are generally pretty good at stopping something if they want to stop it. So, you know, if 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 you just send one Hell Wasp and it tries to grab Lulu, generally the characters are probably going to deal with that single Hell Wasp, uh, even though it's a tough fight that they're in. I was going to say, you think so? Like, I think yeah, yeah. maybe not in this situation. Yeah, they, they might, they might not. Um, and, you know, that that could be the choice. You could give them that choice. If they do deal with this Hell Wasp, then they're more likely to die on the fight with the Nerzagu. Yeah, because Nerzagon. Because Hellwasps um, have some some um, some hit points and some saving throws and armor. Man, they're not they're not like right. pushovers, right? Yeah, you know, they're definitely not pushovers. But you know, they're not going to stand up very long to a focused attack by a whole group of of characters. Oh no, not at all, not at all. Um, so you know that could be the choice, or you can just say, "Hey, I want the characters to see this nest." So you know, send a swarm. Yeah, and. And they uh, they just take they take her. That's that's all there is. Mm-hmm. To it. Absolutely, I'm with you. Like those those yeah. are both great options. I I'm always uh, I like that idea. I also like the idea that um, you can let the dice decide, right? Yep. And but the cool thing about this nest 
is it's 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 its own little dungeon. Uh-huh. It's its own little four room dungeon. It doesn't take much in the book. It's like less than two pages in the book, um, but it gives a cool. It's a cool description, right? Uh, it's this papery wasp nest, but instead of like being made from paper, it's made from angelic figures that have been like chewed on and then mushed into it, and it's pretty gruesome. Uh, just the, the little five, six line box text uh, is worth reading because of the emotions and and the you know the the feelings it provokes in, in someone. Can I read it? Sure, go ahead. A gigantic sack of wet, papery material floats high above the surface of hell. Angelic figures with feathery wings stick to its surface like flies in amber, their bodies struggling futilely underneath layers of gunk. Iron chains at the bottom of the structure tether it to the hellish landscape. So it's they're, they're mo- you see, oh, they're moving. Maybe we could rescue them. They're not moving because they're alive. They're moving because they've got larvae in them. Uh, it's so gross. Writhing, writhing around, and it makes it look like they're moving. So gross. Um, but yeah, and so it's just it's a cool, smaller ecosystem within this larger hellish landscape. Um, that's that's really evocative, and it's really cool. Um, you know, it probably wouldn't take more than a couple hours to run it. Uh, so, you know, I would I would suggest doing so. And then there's some treasure in it. Um, and again, it's you know it, it's heroic. They're rescuing Lulu. And feeling good about something that they've were able to accomplish. It's a really cool example of how you can take a simple dungeon and make it thematic. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, I guess that's it then, right? Yep. So after that, whether the whether uh, Lulu is kidnapped and then rescued, or or if they just uh, rescue her right at Harriman's Hill and survive that. Then they need to make a choice whether they're going to take the path of demons or the path of devils. Well, I'm going to make a choice, Sean. Next time, we're going to talk about the path of demons. All right. I guess that is our choice. It'll probably take us a few few episodes to do so, but we'll we'll get there. Okay. All right. Let's do so. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Uh, Let's do a few Patreon shout-outs before we get out of here. So uh, Eileen Barnes, the Duchess of Pandas Talking Games, Andrew Dacey, the Warden of Whiskies, Andy Olson, the Duke of Dice, Brian Kurtz, the Royal Doctor of Physic, Christopher Gray, the Spymaster of MMP, Craig, just Craig, the Lord of One Name, Eric Bonds, the Duke of Gators and the Lord of Beefness, the only person who will ever have two names, GM Gerrymander, the Lord of the After Show, Jared Rasher, our scribe, the scribe of MMP, Jesse Edmund, our editor and the Royal Doctor, and Jim Likes Games, the Royal Merchant. That is part of our... Our, those are those are some of our ten dollar patrons, and that's part of our uh, our our court, the MMP court, because mm-hmm. the the queen has her court. Mm-hmm. And speaking of patrons, well, thank you all so much for giving us money. We greatly appreciate it. It Helps us keep making the show. If you'd like to also be one of those patrons, you can click on the link to our Patreon page. It's right on the website. And for two dollars a month, you can get yourself a shout out, like you just heard. Well, maybe not just like you just heard, but you know, a shout out of your name. Yep. Now, for four dollars a month, you get a shout out like you heard, or almost like you heard, but you also get to see our pre-production show notes, which are generally long and detailed. You also get access to the Misdirected Mark Slack room, where you can chat with us, uh, other people in the community, or other hosts of other Misdirected Mark shows. Mm-hmm. And just for a single dollar, Chris, just for one single dollar one a month, dollar, yes, you get to hear our bonus content which is called Sneak Attack. Yes, the Sneak Attack. We've been talking about the player character, uh, new options from the uh, Unearthed Arcana. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if you can't help us monetarily, though, but you want to give us a boost, you can do so by giving us an Apple podcast review. It helps us pop up all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yep, those help even if you're not listening on Apple Podcasts because many podcatchers use Apple Podcasts to rate shows. So, you know, helping us out with a review or, uh, you know, just a shout out on Twitter or Facebook yeah. or whatever social media you use, just tell your friends. Um, it just helps us. Instagram, mm-hmm. whatever, uh, any other random social media program. I don't care what it is. Just talk about us. We'd appreciate it. Yeah, just go outside your house and just start screaming. Sure, that, that'll that work too. I mean, it, that, is, it is hell, right? We're talking about yep. hell. Yep. So, Sean, where can we find you on the internet? I mean, I'm uh, assuming we can't find you in hell. Right. Well, right now you can find me on Twitter uh, at Sean Merwin, which is close enough to hell. Uh, <laughs> actually, that's Facebook. But, you know, if you, if you want to get out of that hellish landscape, you can go to the forums uh, at theforums.misdirectedmark.com, and you can talk to us directly about yeah, anything we're talking about on the show or whatever questions you have or topics that you want to hear about. And thank you so much for posting on the forums, everybody. We've been we've been catching up and reading them. Mm-hmm. Uh, me, you can catch at the light 101 on Twitter. You can also go right to the network Twitter, which is at misdirected Mark, our uh, our our chief, Rob Eberzato. He often gets us any Twitters that are sent our way or pointed at us. So that's greatly appreciated. You know, if you want to check out us in other places on the Internet and also other shows, there's the website. Um, there's our new Twitch channel. Well, it's not really new anymore. It's sort of it's it's like losing that new car smell at this mm-hmm. point. Um, yep. Our YouTube page has all of the down with D and D shows. If you prefer to listen on YouTube, um, and it's also got every other show in Misdirected Mark, such as the Misdirected Mark podcast, which is where that's my other show, uh, one of my other shows, where me and then my buddy Phil and my buddy Bob we go live every Tuesday evening on Twitch at 8 p.m. Eastern, and we break down and get inside games, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you. That's uh, also a podcast. You can pick it up on any of your podcatchers. They do it live without a net, folks. It's it's amazing. It's um it's something. <laughs> mm-hmm. So down with D and D is a misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Sean. What will we be doing now? We're going to kill us some hell wasps. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? This whole party. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D?